Welcome back to Pinstripe Pulse. It's been a while for us. Yankees are dead. Bad news, but some good news on the way. We're going to preview 2024 and the kids. Let's hit it. Welcome back, Pinstripe Pulse. It is August 31st at the time of recording. Our last episode was on August 1st, and there's been a significant progression uh, in the dog days of August. Uh, if the Yankees weren't already dead at the trade deadline where we had our... Uh, we were upset with them for, for the lack of moves or for, for the lack of direction, rather. Uh, it seems that there's a direction now, and that's because the Yankees went 10-18 and 18 in August they are now 65 and 69, 18 and a half games back of the division and 10 and a half games out of the last wild card spot. Jake, how are you doing? We know how the Yankees are doing now. I'm I am at I'm finally at peace, I think, all season. Like this is the first time all season that I felt good and actually like free for once. Um I don't know, seeing the youth movement, which we'll get into in a little bit, makes me feel like excited because you actually have something to look forward to for next season and then also in the immediate future because we're getting two big call-ups tomorrow um but besides that i'm doing pretty well today how about yourself doing good um and i'm kind of with you i'm at peace now um i went through the the phases of grief um and i'm at acceptance now i I, there was a period in which i wasn't watching games when the yankees played the braves i did not watch an inning of that series um because I knew they were going to get blown out by definitively the most talented team in baseball. I mean, maybe you put the Dodgers up there now. Um, And I think I would have had nothing new to say, you know, second week, third week of August uh, past the trade deadline because the Yankees were just losing. Uh, They didn't pick a direction. I think the trade deadline was a really missed opportunity for them. and, And we'll get into some of the moves that they made post deadline before this um this new waiver deadline now um but i'm at acceptance because the yankees have fully committed to uh 2024 being over and that is because they've been so bad uh they really do not have a path to making the playoffs i don't think it mathematically can really work unless you know you're talking the tigers the royals and the a's making significant runs to to pull out those fringe wild card teams and the yankees just win every game they need to go 27 and two, I think, to make it to 92 wins on the season. So to make it to 92. Yeah. Yeah. 88 might get you in, but still Maybe. That's, well, that, it, that's, that's 18 and six. Yeah. They don't have that in the tank. No, no. Can Cole give you 15 starts in September? <laughs> He's like, screw it. I'm just going to go every second day. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the transactions we're talking about, um, I think we'll start with the guys who were off the team. Uh, Yankees finally parted ways with Josh Donaldson um, on a straight release. So Josh Donaldson um, straight from the 60 day IL to being released. He was not even put onto waivers. Josh Donaldson is a free agent now. um, And the Yankees are on the books for paying out the rest of his contract. Um, And then Harrison Bader was waived by the Yankees. And actually as of about one o'clock today, we just found out he was claimed by the Cincinnati Reds. And I think we'll start there. Um, what are your impressions of parting ways with those two? Start with Donaldson. It's about that time. Um, 
that should have happened a, a while ago, honestly. Um, I think every Yankees fan saw that it was clear that he was no longer the player that he used to be, which was a, a MVP caliber, you know, multi-time all-star, 800 OPS type of guy. Like he's no longer that he was a shell of himself. Um, and bringing him back into the fold, if he came back from the IL would have been a huge disservice to the Yankees. And then also the young guys that are coming up. Raza just got called back up again. Um, how would that have looked if you had Donaldson taking reps in September when you're not playing for a pennant, you're not playing for a wild card? Like, what's the point? Um, I also think that this is in the best interest on uh, Donaldson as well, because he really probably wouldn't have been able to make it back because of his 60 day IL stint. Um, had they not released him, he would have been kind of confined to being on the IL. So this is the best case scenario for him. He can actually go to a contender or he can go back to one of the teams he initially played with to end his career. Um, best of luck to him. It sounded like it was a classy ending all the way around. The same goes for Bader's ending. Um, it is bittersweet because I think we both loved him. He was a fan favorite. What he did in the ALCS and DS last season was you can't deny how electric it was. Um, he provided that instant boost that it just looked was that new blood that you can tell that he was passionate about being a Yankee. Um, he figured out the power for a little bit there, struggled this season after that second IL stint and never really was the same after that point. Even the defense faltered a little bit. Um, so this is ultimately like, even though it's tough because he is probably one of the most loved Yankees in recent, uh, recent memory that wasn't, you know, initially a Yankee it's the right decision just because he was blocking Dominguez and Pereira ultimately. Um, so I'm excited for him to be able to go over to the Reds, who is an instant contender with such a young core that's already performing at such a high level. That's the best case scenario for him as well. Yeah. And the Yankees get a bit of financial help, I guess on Bader's contract from the Reds claiming him off of waivers. Yeah. Um, but you know, this is something where you and I kind of had the same sentiment of being frustrated around the deadline because um, Bader was showing those signs of it's not regression. It's it's struggles post injury because he, had, he was really successful this year in the first half of the year and against lefties throughout the year. Um, but Bader was showing signs of not being a premier offensive player. Um, and he was an expendable piece. And I think we knew on July 31st that the Yankees were not going to make the postseason. Um, you know, I, I don't think, August was really bad, but I don't think anything in August really would have changed my mind unless the Yankees went on a crazy streak. Um, and in that month of August, uh, Bader hit 202 with a 247 slugging, um, a 0.045 isolated power, um, putting his WRC plus at 47, um, which is less than half of a league average player per that measurement. Uh, the, the Reds will take the remaining month of his contract and then he'll be a free agent. Um, but the Yankees just didn't have a fit for him on this team and, and they could have traded and gotten a, a prospect or a piece from him as well as the salary being taken. Um, but now instead of two months of salary and a trade piece, um, they're just giving him a, a, a defensive stalwart to a contending team for free. And I agree with the move now. There's no use for Harrison Bader. And now him clearing up the center field spot leaves space open for guys like Everson Pereira and uh, Jason Dominguez, who is the rumor confirmed by Brian Hoke, Jeff Passan, um, and Jack Curry will be coming up tomorrow. So I agree with the move. 
re- really tough for Bader. Um, in terms of Donaldson, I mean, yeah, well, the same thing. The Yankees aren't competing. I-, I didn't think that Donaldson was the piece you needed to compete this year anyway. Uh, the Yankees believed you did. So once the Yankees believed they were stop- they were stopping competing, um, they just brought up Peraza, who they needed to with his injury anyway. And Peraza's been playing not great, um, but they need to let him develop and we'll, we'll see where he gets, but there was no use having Donaldson on the team at the number he had. Um, they had no plans of playing him. He didn't need to go in the 60 day IL. That was um, the team just putting him there for roster maneuvering. Uh, and he even showed it himself by taking batting practice a few times, like a week or two in to his IL stint. So um, good riddance on Donaldson. I mean, he handled it very professionally. I, I think the Yankees, made two really crucial errors, not parting ways with Donaldson in the offseason way early in the year um, and, and not knowing when they should have tried to get value out of Bader, knowing he, he's not going to be useful. Yeah, and you already knew that you had these young kids waiting in the weeds to come up, especially Pereira, who's been sitting in AAA for a minute and performing well in AAA as well. Um, so it would have made all the sense in the world to call him up earlier in the season when you were still competing for something. But the Yankees chose to stand pat, which is the weirdest decision I think that any team has made at this, you know, trade deadline in a long time. Um, It's still very baffling. I mean, Keenan Middleton was an excellent addition in terms of bullpen help. He's been nails every time he goes out there. He's a contributor. Um, Spencer Howard was just released yesterday as well. So that was one of two acquisitions that they made at the trade deadline. For what, really? And then you kept on hearing. Did we see him? Was he on the pro, well, on the major no. league roster at all? Yeah. No, he didn't make it. <laughs> so it's just a baffling, like weird kind of. I, I mean, I get it. It makes sense for they have to protect a bunch of guys for the forty man or for the rule five draft uh, coming up soon. So they're clearing roster space for the forty man. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, what was the point of <laughs> picking up Spencer in the first place? Um, there was no reason. But. Yeah, I mean, I think that once they accepted the fact that they were no longer in it to win it, all the right moves started happening simultaneously almost within the last week or two. Um, It happened quick. The second we saw Pereira and Peraza come up, even though their performance hasn't been stellar, they have instantly brought energy and like just a good aura around the team. Um, There's a little bit of excitement now. You can actually feel the fan base is starting to gravitate back towards watching again. Um, I'm sure the viewership was fine just because they're the Yankees. They're always going to get viewers. Uh, you have a bunch of people that always mention people should just stop going to the games. That's not going to happen because the Yankees are one of the most profitable sports organizations in the world. So New York city is such a destination that you're going to have tourists. You're going to have people that are just so loyal and looking for something fun to do that you're going to sell out constantly. That's just a matter of fact. So bringing in the youth movement now was the best business decision because you're going to end up appeasing the fans while also drawing in the marketability. Um, So I'm really excited to see what Pereira, how he develops in particular. I really like how his swing looks, but man, Dominguez and, uh, you know, Wells are going to be something else. I think this is going to be really exciting. So first, what do you think of uh, Peraza and Pereira? We'll lump them together. Um, because both of them have had over 30 plate appearances um, since being called up and have looked poor. Uh, still a small yeah. sample size. 
Yeah, um, I mean the numbers but, are atrocious. That's for yeah. Sure. But what what do you think of of you know their you mentioned you like Pereira swing what do you th- I mean Peraz has been stellar defensively yeah uh, what do you think of what they've shown so far especially Pereira who we've seen a lot less of at the major league level yeah I'll start with Peraza just because we've seen more of him we know kind of what his pr- player profile is he if he's a glove first shortstop or third baseman wherever he ends up I think it's going to be third base I I really like how Volpe has looked as a shortstop honestly like I'm not concerned with him at short that's a different story altogether but if Praz is a glove first infielder who can hit decent <laughs> like we're talking like a 750 OPS maybe 730 at the bottom end 720 that's a very productive player because he's going to give you gold glove caliber uh, defense. And yep. he does have some pop in that bat. He just hasn't shown it yet this time around last season. He was on full display when he came up with the Yankees, he was hitting around like three Oh five and the small sample size that he played in. So we know it's there. I think that his confidence has been rattled a little bit just because of the way that the Yankees have handled him. Um, like we thought that he was going to end up getting traded just because it felt like they don't respect him fully as a player. We're, it's really hard to say that now just because he is getting that opportunity, but it did take a long time for him to get called up. So I, I hope to just see him become a league average bat. And then if he has more than that, that's great. But the glove is what he's there for. Pereira is interesting because I really do like his swing. I just think that he's not fully comfortable in the box yet in the big league level. Like it just seems like his footing is a little bit off um sometimes he looks a little bit flat-footed when he's taking pitches like so he's not fully loading properly um but I do think that he has some serious pop I've seen him hit a few balls in the gap so far that have looked really nice and it sounds nice off the bat um his swing is solid I think it's just a matter of the same adjustments that Volpe had to make earlier in the season just finding that right sweet spot um but his defense has been Nothing insane, but at the same time, reliable. And that's the first time we've had a reliable left fielder all season. Yeah. So I will take that any day of the week. First time we've had a left fielder all season. <laughs> Who actually plays the outfield. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which also begs the question. Um, it's interesting that IKF didn't get put on waivers. I think he's so versatile. I, that's the one thing that you can kind you of. need at bats. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like you would think that he kind of falls into that same area as Bader where he's he's making still a little bit of a chunk of money to end the season. He's a free agent at the end of the season. So, like, it seems like that would have been a good pathway for Waldo maybe to get some extra reps to see what you have out of him. Because I think Waldo's the one rookie that they have right now. Or rookie. I'm, he's not fully a rookie at this point. I think but, he's a qualified rookie this year. Is he? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Well, in that case, like he's one rookie that I think they're not fully still sold on just because they haven't been playing him quite as much as the other guys. Um, he has made a few like improvements at the plate recently, but it's still nothing to fully write home about. Um, I think he needs to really win the Yankees over again, like in this road, in this final stretch in order to actually secure himself a spot with the team next year. Yeah. Yeah, I think you hit Peraza perfectly because even looking at his minor league stats, you know, what can you expect from him hitting wise? Uh, This year in his 63 games and 300 plate appearances in AAA, you're looking at a 270 average, uh, 480 slugging, an OPS of about 840. Um, And that's in AAA. So at the major league level, like you're looking at 
you know, a 720 to 760 probably OPS guy in, in an ideal world who gives elite defense and can like sling the ball across the diamond. Um, that's, you know, in theory, your long-term third baseman um, and your backup shortstop to Volpe. And he played mostly shortstop even um, a lot this minor league season, though they were moving him all around the place. He can play second, he can play third, he can play short. He's comfortable everywhere. Um, and that was a big focus of his development. Pereira is where you get into a different story. Um, and I think you can see that when you watch Pereira play. Uh, Pereira's minor league numbers are like standout hitter. Uh, you're talking AAA hitting 315 with a 551 slugging and a 940 OPS. And even in AA, he had a 910 OPS. Um, Pereira is potentially a difference making outfield bat. And, you know, you can't look into minor league stats that much. Like you have to look at how he looks at the plate. And I don't think this is a Florial, you know, uh, you know, 200 strikeout OPS. I, I think this, he seems very comfortable. He has a swing that can go to all fields. It's very smooth. Um, and for someone to just be solid defensively, especially when we have some premier outfield talent coming up behind him, uh, I've like, I've liked how Pereira has looked. Um, will he be like an all-star or a superstar? It, it doesn't appear so. Um, but we have to take the stats this year with a grain of salt. I mean, Peraza and Pereira have the two lowest OPSs of any hitters in the month of August. Pereira with a 16 and Peraza with a negative 40. Um, and that's just on account of them having a 130 and .080 batting average, respectively. Um, but if we look at prospects from uh, not too long ago, if I told you there was a hitter that got 95 plate appearances uh, with a 60 WRC plus over the course of his first two months in the big leagues, um, who do you think that is? Anthony Volpe. Uh, he was close, but he wasn't quite that bad. Um, I'm, talk I'm talking Aaron Judge. Yeah. So, and... That is something why we were so upset with the Yankees at the trade deadline. Um, this could happen sooner, but I think the Yankees, I don't know what they learned between August 1st and uh, August 15th. Besides, I mean, there was a 10 game losing streak in there, so that helped. But I don't know what they learned more about the team, but they cut bait on winning. Um, they're going to give these guys a lot of at bats. And I mean, Judge had 95 plate appearances over that last period and the roster expansion from 2016. Um, Peraza and Pereira already have 30 plate appearances. Um, yeah. So you give them a full month of run. Uh, they're going to get probably 130, roughly. Um, mm -hmm. so, so I'm really excited for that. Now, how about the guys that aren't here yet? We've been talking about them for months, a year cool. almost. Dominguez and Austin Wells. So I think that the Wells situation is super interesting because you have Higgy yeah. and Wartfit on the roster still. So does Wartfit get DFA'd? Does someone get knocked out? Like, it's a really weird situation just because I think it's exciting. You you have Higgy, who's probably a great teacher and mentor for a young player like Wells. And Wells is obviously not known for his glove. However, his glove has made improvements, according to quite a few people. Um, his arm is still an issue, but... He's a serviceable catcher from everything that I've heard at this point. He probably projects long-term as a first baseman slash DH eventually. Um, so maybe he gets split duty at first base, although he hasn't been playing first base at all in AAA. At all. Yeah. So 
it's one of those things where you're just throwing a guy in blind at a new position. That doesn't seem like the best way to introduce him to the big leagues. Um, although I, I wouldn't put it past the Yankees necessarily because they've done stuff like that before. So maybe that's kind of where he goes, but I think his bat is undeniable. Um, his numbers aren't outstanding or crazy this season, but he everyone knows about his pop at this point. Um, they've been saying he's a major league ready bat for now, like what, two years, two seasons. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he's been ready to go offensively. I think they've just been waiting for him to get the proper amount of reps on behind the dish and make sure that he was good catching guys like Cole and Schmidt and all the major league guys. Um, so I'm really excited. He's another lefty bat that we're going to greatly need in the middle of that lineup. And then when it comes to Dominguez, this is really fun because he is on a hot tear right now where he just <laughs> is hitting the fucking cover off the ball. <laughs> um, he's hitting literally anything that comes to him. So uh, for context, he had nine games in Scranton um, after 109 games in double A this year, nine games in triple A Scranton hitting 420 with a 514 OBP, a 581 slugging and a 1.1 OPS. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's one of those things where it's like remember With no when... homers. <laughs> so he's just literally hitting gappers left and right. Yep. Um, which is exactly what you want to see out of him. And he does it from both sides as well. He his mm-hmm. lefty swing is incredible. It reminds me a lot of Harper mixed with Soto. Um not to say that he's going to play to those standards when he comes up, obviously, but the potential is there. The pop is it can't be overstated. Um, this kid is the real deal. He's only twenty years old. We weren't expecting him to necessarily see him to come up this season, but the fact that he is up now shows that there is urgency with the Yankees to really see what they have. And that's huge because the Yankees are also aware that Spencer Jones is waiting the weeds in um, double A right now. And he arguably might be the more polished of a player than um, than Dominguez when it comes to at least the defensive side of things. I think Spencer also has floor is higher with Spencer Jones. He also has like 30 to 35 stolen bases. Um, one of our teammates actually is an agent and he says that he has seen both guys play quite a bit and he is way more impressed by Jones than Dominguez, which is really interesting. But I think it's just the Yankees were forced to essentially call him up because of how well he's playing. It's the same concept of calling up Hoy Park back in 2021 when Park was tearing the cover off the ball for that little month stint, except this time it's like your top prospect in the entire farm. And it's not some random 26, 27 year old. So this is a big moment for the Yankees just because it's showing a willingness to truly like deep dive into the youth movement. And we're going to see in the next day, two thirds of the lineup is going to be rookies. And that's crazy. (laughs) Wells and Dominguez are significant towards the Yankees' attitude this season and potentially beyond because Wells and Dominguez are like the two prospects the Yankees have that are like high potential guys, but they're not ready. There's a lot of holes at the major league level. So if you're looking at a team that still expects to win, I think Austin Wells and Jason Dominguez are potentially really fortunate that the Yankees shit the bed this year. Because in the Yankees organization, I don't think, you know, Jason Dominguez, he doesn't have quite the raw tools, but Jason Dominguez is kind of like an Ellie De La Cruz where the raw tools are there. The Reds were like, bring him up to the, the Reds weren't even competing before De De La Cruz was on the roster that much. Bring him up to the roster. We're in a bad division. um, And we don't care really if we make the wild card, like we're developing for the future. 
and De La Cruz's raw tools have been refined consistently on the major league level. Like he came up and he tore the cover off the baseball for three weeks. He's been tested and now he's kind of proved himself and the raw tools are are getting polished by MLB resistance, if that makes sense. But Dominguez and Wells, I think we're going to see them come up and I think they're both going to struggle, but we're going to watch them and be amazed. Um, no, you mentioned about Wells is bad. I mean, it's not outstanding. You're, you're looking at like an 800 OPS hitter in, you know, in the higher levels of minor leagues uh, over the course of this year, which isn't, you know, which isn't anything to write home about, but for a catcher is huge. Um, and I think it's important to bring them up because more so than they would have in spring training, um, in spring training, the Yankees every year, even next year, they should go into a year with an expectation to win. So you have to be very mindful of how you go about your pitchers because like you need to pair them with cat. Like you're there to get your pitchers, your MLB pitchers right for the year, not to develop your minor league catcher. Now the Yankees are playing the rest of the season with no expectation to win. Here is where you put Austin Wells behind the plate and see how can he manage catching because we can't have another Gary Sanchez situation. Gary Sanchez was a great hitter, but if Austin Wells can be an average to plus catcher, giving a 750 OPS, that is incredibly valuable in today's game. Because today with the DH, like catchers are treated like a pitcher. Like they're mm-hmm. they hit 170 and they slug like 250. Austin Hedges. <laughs> Austin Hedges, yeah. Like if and if you can call a good game. I mean, heck, Jose Trevino was brought in with that intent. Um and I don't know if Trevi will be around, but to have Wells come in and catch major league pick pitchers, like see where he is because Austin Wells is like potentially an all-star high level catcher. I don't know that he's good enough of a hitter right now to do that at first base. I think he's an average first baseman given his hit tool. Um, and he has that pop and he can, he can pop off, but that's really important as like a catcher who can call a decent game and can run into a Homer hitting sixth or seventh is where Austin Wells could be super useful. And I think the same is with Jason Dominguez, where like you see him in the minor leagues. I mean, it's it's kind of like Vlad Guerrero when he was in the minor leagues. He just tears it up, sprays doubles like all around it. He he has all of the like the physical tools at a professional level. So so now it's just a matter of refining that. Like he can keep up. It's just a matter of refining them with crafty um, and with consistent elite players that don't make as many mistakes as minor league players do. Because Dominguez punishes every double-A, triple-A pitcher's mistake. Um, he has to learn how to do that with pitchers that barely make mistakes or don't make mistakes. Um, and I think the chance to run him out for a month and let him struggle like you did with Aaron Judge is going to be especially useful for Wells and Dominguez. And I, I think the silver lining of all of this is that we're fortunate and I think those two are fortunate, especially because in a year where the Yankees are expected to win, you know, I don't, let's say the Yankees are chasing a wild card come August next year. I think Dominguez doesn't even debut until June, July because the Yankees feel they have to, but I yeah. think they, they do a half-assed effort about playing him because mm-hmm. I, I, there will be struggles. And if there aren't struggles, that's phenomenal. This guy has been hyped since he was 16 years old. I'm trying to level set expectations. Um, he, I don't think he's like, He's pro ready physically, and I think his approach is there, but he just needs that um, major league talent refinement. Yeah, he just needs to learn at the big league level. And I mean, this is what and they call it fall training for a reason. You know, yeah. this is the time <laughs> to do exactly that. 
um and the pressure's off so they don't feel like they need to succeed necessarily it like this should be all about failure um teach them a little bit of adversity coming in just because they are coming into a rough situation um but i think it's ultimately for the best for both them and the yankees organization as a whole it allows you to like really assess kind of what you have out of these guys and also the mental makeup of playing at, under such big bright lights you know like they're not going to get that in triple and scranton um they're not going to see insane talent in triple a like the we've talked about before the jump from high a to double a is the biggest most significant jump in the minors mm-hmm. so if they're sitting in triple a playing you know hundreds of ab's worth of baseball and they're facing the same pitchers over and over again that's not really helping them prepare for the major leagues at some point you know mm-hmm. so this is really the best case scenario for them speaking of that jump um in 500 plate appearances in Somerset and double a this year uh Dominguez struck out 130 times so this is what this is what is there to come I mean he walked 80 times which is pretty good um his on base is there for sure um but that's what you're looking at um he's gonna strike out and yeah. you're you're looking at improving that and, and seeing major league pitching and I don't think triple a is going to help him right now yeah, and I think that's why he's up now. He has a pro- positive progression going through his numbers, which allowed them to say we're comfortable enough to give you that chance to develop at the big league level. All right, so that's a lot about the kids that we're going to see. Um, someone who's been a very interesting figure over the last few weeks and beyond, uh, Luis Severino. Um, for a while, it seemed like he just could not pitch, um, but he's turning around a little bit recently. Um, what are your Im- impressions? Oh, notably, uh, Sevy's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. Um, he has by far the worst stats of of anybody on the team. Uh, what are your impressions of Sevy? I mean, there was a stretch where what for six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks, he was the worst pitcher in baseball statistically, and his confidence was at an all time low. He said he was pitching like the worst pitcher in baseball. So like he was well aware of it. Um, you could tell that he was pressing, like the velocity was there, but everything was a cookie down the middle. Every single pitch was just getting hammered. And you really felt like there was a, like a serious chance that he was going to get DFA'd and that doesn't happen. The Yankees continue to throw him out there, which I was very skeptical about the last few weeks and apathetic towards but he did, to his credit, turn it around the last two starts. He's had two back-to-back gems, and the velocity has been up to 99, 100 consistently, like, later in those outings, which is very impressive to me just because, like, it's not just like it's 99. It's 99 with life and ride up in the zone. And his biggest issue is he was missing middle, middle down for a lot of that stretch where he was just terrible. Um, so it does seem like he's really figured it out, which is like great for him just because I think that was messing with his psyche a good deal. Um, it's just nice and refreshing to see a homegrown Yankee who was a fan favorite for a long time, who looked like he was on his last leg. At least he's ending it with a bang, you know, like this is exactly kind of what I hope to see out of Sevy if he was going to stick around. And he kind of is throwing around that big dick energy again, which is great. Um, he's going to end up getting an interesting contract next year. We're not really fully sure what that's going to look like, but the best of luck to him. Um, I'm just happy to see him succeed a little bit. 
it's been really bizarre because for for a little bit, I mean, he just couldn't get anybody out. We're looking at his previous appearances. I mean, he went July 1st at St. Louis, uh, nine runs, seven earned, four innings against Baltimore, seven earned, 2.2. And he went one earned, six, three earned, six, nine earned, three, five earned, four, four earned, two, four earned, four. And then his last two outings have been shut out, seven innings each, no earned runs against against the Nationals and the Tigers. Um, but both of those offensives like came in hot too. So it's not yeah. just they're bad teams all around. Like they, they did have hot moments where they were lighting every good pitcher that they saw on fire. And now he just shuts them down completely. I'm really happy for him. Um, and we're bringing him up first because next we're going to talk about the guys that are going to make up the core of our team next year. Um, and I don't, we don't really know if Sevy falls into that conversation. And I, I lean to think that he doesn't um, given the money he might be looking for, unless the Yankees get him on a cheap deal. I mean, um, he's shown a lot of frustration with the Yankees handling of him. Um, I really like how Boone treated him the last few outings, like letting him ride. Um, There's not a lot of stakes now. So, they let him ride, like really gave him that confidence. Um, and so I, I don't think he stays with this team. I mean, we'll see what the market is, but I mean, like Tyone's been one of the worst pitchers in baseball and he, you know, garnered a lot of, um, a lot of pay and the Yankees never showed interest in signing him back despite him being good for the Yankees and, and showing some signs. Um, yeah. it, he has a very complicated injury history. I mean, at one point he was the best pitcher on this team and now he's, he might be the worst starter. Um, but good for Sevy. Yeah. I mean, I think that when it comes to the pitching market, there are other pitchers that they're more interested in. Um, Blake Snell makes a lot of sense. Yamamoto from Japan makes a lot of sense as well. I think that's where they allocate their funds, especially if they are going for the youth movement. I don't think they're really going to add too much offensively um, in the free agent pool, necessarily unless it's maybe Cody Bellinger, if they do decide to give out that kind of money to him. But yeah, I, I don't see necessarily a world where Sevy stays a Yankee, but at the same time, it's at least good of them to allow him to raise his sock the way that he is. Who should we go to next? Um, we have a few players to highlight here. Um, and I I think I want to start with Garrett Cole. Go for it. <laughs> It is such a shame, man, that this year is the year we're getting this from Garrett Cole. I mean, it's right in line with what he's been doing. Um, Garrett Cole has a 2.95 ERA. Uh, he's giving up one homer per nine innings, which I think is the significant stats that, that is bringing his ERA down. He leaves 80% of runners left on base. He doesn't even have as many strikeouts as he's had in previous years. I mean, he's he's like saying that, sitting at around nine K's per nine when he's usually at like 12 to 13, even um, he's been phenomenal, man. And he, he's been the one bright spot, like every Garrett Cole game that he pitches. I definitely watch that's a appointment viewing still. Um, and it's such a shame that a shame that is happening now. I, I think the Yankees have to make a decision on picking up some years of his contract. There's something weird with his contract. I think um, the option that comes up, 2024 they have to pick it up before he 
gets a chance to go or, to or he can opt out. Option. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, it, he's been phenomenal. I mean, what what have you seen from Garrett Cole, and how how do you feel about him for next year and kind of the rest of his Yankees tenure? He's already been with us for four years now. That's crazy. I mean, I think COVID kind of uh, fast tracked that four year period, but yeah. at the same time, he uh, he's a perennial Cy Young winner and then also Hall of Famer at this rate. Um, he's going to end up what? How many innings does he have now? Do you know that off the top? Off the top of my head, looking right at a stat page, uh, 174. Yeah, so he's going to end up with 200 innings pitched. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, well over it. Yeah, he's going – I've probably like sixth or seventh season with 200 innings pitched at least. Um, very few pitchers can say that they're – sixth, that. yeah. Yeah, it, it's something that you don't see very often. I think that a lot of Yankees fans were taking that for granted for a while. This is the first season where I've – fully seen the entire fan base as a whole come together and just love the dude because he deserves all of it. Um, I think that he's learned how to pitch smarter. So he's not focusing on the strikeout nearly as much, which is what got him into trouble quite a bit. He would challenge guys at the bottom of the zone and they would end up hitting bombs on him. And then he would get into these crazy two, two, three, two counts where it's just like foul ball after foul ball. Cause he's trying to get to that put away pitch. Now he realizes I make, I can maybe take a little bit off of it. So rather than throwing 98, 99, 100, he can just sit 94, 95 at times comfortably and then dial it up when necessary to get like a big out. But he knows that he can get that double play ball, you know, up the middle because he has the ground ball capabilities now. He's really pitching towards his well-roundedness. And that isn't something that we necessarily saw every season that he's been a Yankee. This is the first time that he's pitching smart, like really smart. And he's always been a thinker on the mound. Like you can tell he's a perfectionist. He, he wants to pitch his best possible way. And a lot of the times it looked like he was trying to go for 15 strikeouts a game, which just isn't sustainable. Um, but I'll take the nine strikeouts per nine innings any day of the week. Cause that means that he's giving up fewer home runs and fewer hard hit balls and fewer walks. Everything in turn has improved numbers wise and you need to do whatever it takes to keep him a Yankee for the rest of his career. This dude is Justin Verlander 2.0, maybe even better. <laughs> it's a really interesting contract situation. Um, Cole is turning 33 um, in two weeks. Next week. Yeah. Mm. September 8th, he turns 33. Um, so next year would be his age 33 season. Um, at the end of 2024, he can opt out. So at which point he would have just turned 34. Um, he is signed through 2028. The Yankees can void his opt out by adding on a 2029 club option, which would be extending him through his age 39 season. Um, so so that's the contract stipulations we're looking at. If I'm the Yankees, I take that 100%. I take it too, because I, I really think he... Obviously, he throws very hard, but his mechanics are so repeatable, and he's been so consistent. The only, I mean, he's technically only thrown 200 innings once for the Yankees, um, but one of his first season was 2020, in which he threw 73 innings, which is baffling. He only pitched 12 games. Yeah. Um, he also course that year, and then he missed like two starts in 2021, like in, in July. He had COVID. He had Remember? COVID. 
So it's not even like injury related. It was literally due to an illness that caused the league to put new ramifications on players being put on the IL. Yeah. So then you're looking at a run. Um, he was hurt in 2016, but from 2015, he made 32 starts, 208 innings. 2016, he was hurt for a bit. 2017 with the Pirates, 203 innings. 2018 with Houston, 200 innings. 2019 with Houston, 212. 2020, the the rate at that, it would have been 200 innings. You know, he made every start, and he made every start like seven to eight innings. Mm-hmm. Um, 2021, he got COVID. He made 30 starts, 180 innings, which is, right now, Garrett Cole already has more innings than Corbin Burns did the year he won the Cy Young. Yeah. Um, 33 starts last year, 200 innings, and he's going to be well over that this year if he completes his remaining five starts, I think it would still be. And so, I believe he also has something like 23 starts this season with more than seven innings pitched in like less than two earned runs. Yep. Which is crazy. <laughs> it's yeah, it's absolutely insane. Yeah, you, you look at a game log, you see uh I see one five, everything starts with a six, seven, or an eight. And there's a nice nine in there too. Mm-hmm. That that was a fun one. Um yeah, he's he's been phenomenal, man. Um, I definitely take him. Who who's better than Cole? I really don't think there is anyone. I mean, like you can say talent wise, there might be guys that have better stuff. Like I think that Alcantara might have better stuff. You know, like but Sandy's had a bad year. Exactly. That's the thing is like it's not sustainable for a lot of these dudes. Like you could have said that Degrom had better stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But. If you can't pitch 150, Degrom in- does. Degrom is better, but he's but he's not no. more valuable. As, yeah, as but he's not able to play. He's yeah. not able to stay on the field, so it's just like it's not worth handing that that kind of money. With Garrett, you're getting the durability of someone who could sustain like a horse. Like he's he's pitching on the same path of like a modern day Nolan Ryan in the sense that he could pitch 20 20 years if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. And there are very few guys in he's the league. He's better right? than Nolan. 10 to 12 he's better than nolan yes <laughs> so that's the thing and like he has more command he might not have the same zip on the fastball but like he's able to ramp it up when he needs to ramp it up there really isn't a pitcher that is like garrett cole out there and the thing is he's going to age like fine wine i think he's going to end up on a similar trajectory to a verlander because they have very similar body types and um i think verlander and Kershaw are like two guys that i would use as the benchmark for the aged veteran that is still very effective. I can see Cole just perfectly transitioning into that situation when he gets to like 36, 37. Yep. So I mean, one extra year in 2029, it's nothing. Yeah. I mean, looking at the Cy Young races the previous years, I mean, you're talking Furlander, Cease, Manoa, Otani, Fromber, you know, all of them are not having as good of a season as Garrett Cole is this year. Garrett Cole was right. Get, that was probably his worst Cy Young year. Year before, Robbie Ray, Garrett Cole, Lance Lynn, Nate Evaldi, Carlos Rodon. You know, all of them are probably out of the top five, right? Like yeah. in, well, I mean, Evaldi's having a great year. Mm-hmm. But Evaldi's back. But Evaldi in 2022 is nowhere to be found. Yeah. 20, 2021, uh, well, that was 2021. 2020, Bieber, Maeda, Ryu, Cole, Keiko. Yeah, none of those guys. <laughs> Not even close. Verlander, Cole, Morton, Bieber, Lynn. Like, it's it's Cole. It's Cole, it, man. It's not even close. 
Cole, Verlander, Snell, Kluber, Sale. Like, Snell's back, but it, he he every year. And this this is Cy Young voting. This isn't even a great metric. Like you, if you went by pitcher WAR, Cole is two or three every, and this year he could be one. It takes innings, strikeouts, and like appearances to really accumulate that WAR. Twenty eighteen, he had a seven and a half WAR. Very few position players get to I, that. I cannot believe that Justin Verlander won that Cy Young. It's stupid. Yeah. It's so dumb. But Cole's getting it this year. Like 300, what was it, 320 or something? Yeah. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> That's wild. Um, To the hitting side. I think, and you can correct me if, if you think I'm wrong, I think there are three hitters that are, or four hitters rather, that have played this full year that are going to be like the foundation of our team next year. Um, yeah. And there's one, there's one maybe we have a conversation about that's that's outside of that right now. Um, I'm talking Judge, DJ, Volpe, and Glaber. Yeah, that's pretty much what I've got. <laughs> yeah. Um, do we have to keep Glaber at this point? I think we we might, right? Like he's played himself into a spot where he's one of the most reliable, and he has the same testament of durability that we just talked about with Cole. We really can't like he makes these mental lapses every now and then that are just bizarre. (laughs) Like the way that he threw the ball away Uh, today. Today that was. It was one of those things that I was already happy because Volpe hit that game tying home run that I was already well past the point of expecting them to win. But like that throw was just so off that it was comical. Um, But I will take those kinds of mistakes because he is providing so much at the plate. And it's not like he's just free swinging and hoping for the best. Like it's not like a hobby bias stat line. He's striking out like 14.5% of the time this season. That's elite. That's really fucking good. He's By made far the best on the team. Yes, he's made significant strides in terms of like knowing when to shorten up his swing and just put the ball in play. And he's still hitting the ball hard in those situations. And he's hustling pretty well on the base pass. He does make those mental lapses like that we've talked about. Everyone knows about them, but he's also only 26 years old. And if there's anyone outside of Judge, that is like young enough and limber enough that is a veteran to play on this team still it it is Glaber Torres it'll be interesting to see what those contract talks talk will come out to I think they should work on signing him long term because I don't fully that's another thing is like I would prefer to have him and Peraza on the team at the same time because I feel like if you just have Peraza replace him you trade away Torres you don't fully know how, what kind of offensive production we've already talked about that, that you're going to get out of Peraza. Mm -hmm. So losing an 800 OPS bat is brutal, especially when your offense has been dying for offense. (laughs) And if he's Glaber, if Peraza is Glaber, like that's great. But looking at what Glaber Torres has done the last few years, like he has his ups and downs, but like Glaber Torres is a solid offensive player at the big league level i mean right now he's in a hot streak his last month you're looking at a 1.04 ops a 188 wrc plus and that's with 118 plate appearances like really good you look at his season as a whole 
it, it's it's right back to what he does every year. I mean, 270 batting average that that would be his career high other from other than his 2019 All-Star year, which was just 278. Um you're looking at a war of 2.9 right now to date. So, you know, he's a three war like his his major league season two and a half war, 3.6 war. 1.3 in 2021 that was when he was the bad shortstop last year 2.9 this year 2.9 this is really invaluable and i think we're seeing now like donaldson us talking about trading labor was always because oh the yankees aren't going to get rid of donaldson donaldson yep. out of the picture peraza's at third dj dj's playing a flex position dj's playing a lot of first now because rizzo's hurt but rizzo comes back in now like DJ and Peraza are your rotational players. And that's what the infield looks like. Glaber, I think, should stay. Um, and good for him. He's looked phenomenal. He's been dangerous to all fields. Um, r- like really impressed with how he's looked. And I, I think it's it's good for him and the Yankees to like they give him a contract, like instill that confidence in him. Glaber Torres was the top prospect above Aaron Judge. Like he was the guy for the Yankees going back to 2016, 17, ever since the Aralda Chapman trade, like getting Glaber Torres, he was the number one prospect for the Yankees. Um, and this is, he's having a number one prospect career, like, you know, not hall of fame, all-star, but like, this is what most, not, not even most, this is what you ask for in, in your top prospect. Um, and, and he's delivering. Yep. Top five to top 10 second baseman in the game right now, yep. especially if you're looking at offensive production. Um, I guess that kind of leads into DJ then because DJ has fully resurged his career <laughs> in the second half. He's looking like DJ of the old plus some pull side power that we didn't see out of him in even 20 crazy pull side power, man. He's turning on fastballs on the inside. This is what makes me so excited about him is he's like hitting good pitches on the inside part of the plate and just turning on them and catching up to them. And he's what, 34, 35 at this point. So he's getting a little bit old. But at the same time, his hands aren't slowing down. They're speeding up. <laughs> and I think his body's just in so such sync right now that he's moving so fluidly in the box. He's loading on time. He's loading early. He's balanced on his back foot again because it appears that injury is no longer an issue for him, which I think it was bothering him earlier in the season. That's when we were seeing him roll over a lot. We were seeing him cast a little bit with his hands. Now he's just hitting the ball so direct and really just elevating hard like balls up in the zone it's impressive and his versatility is going to put him in like a rare position for a Yankees veteran next season to actually be safe I think um if at minimum it's raising his trade stock but I don't think that you need to trade him at this point because he is only making 15 million a year um he could play a third he could play a second he could play first and if he stays healthy he's still an asset and he's also the type of contact hitter that you need to balance out all the strikeout heavy players in this lineup. DJ has gotten his numbers back up to a 100 WRC plus on the year. He's had a real down year. Um, and, you know, you mentioned him being out of sync and casting early on in the year. Um, DJ's hands are still like his, they're quick. They're still there. And I think the problem you mentioned, like casting happens really when your top half is out of sync with your bottom half, like you think you're going to hit the shit out of a ball or you think you're going to hit a hanger um, and you like just go out and you flail out in front yeah. of it. 
And you you mentioned that like juice ball era DJ, like the home runs that he got out, like everything went to right field. And mm-hmm. then he'd hit like a loopy home run, like 330 at the stadium, right down the foul pole. DJ's recent home run streak has been barrels to the left. And that's him. Like <laughs> it's not not only off-speed pitches, like he's getting his hands in quick. He's getting down like pitches that are high in the zone and in and low and in. He's getting his hands in his barrel inside and he's hitting liners like 400 to, to yeah. straight away left field, like balls that go straight over the left fielder's head. They don't even turn around for. Um, And, and I think like, that's an important feature because DJ is always, his contract is just to hit, you know, he might end up being a liability on defense. That's why you put him at first and he's going to be a plus first baseman. Um, There's three years left on his contract. He is 35. So we're going to have him for, and he just turned 35. So we're going to have him for his age, 35, 36 and 37 years. Um, Anthony Rizzo, you know, will hit there's still another year on his contract. DJ can be a flex infield guy, and then the last two years you're talking about a first baseman, probably if once once Rizzo's contract is up. Um, yeah. but DJ in the past month, man, I mean, you went right down the line of WRC plus because we have Glaber and DJ's number two. He's a 150 WRC plus in the month of August, a putrid month of August, mind you, for the Yankees as a whole. Um you know, he's walking at a 12% rate. Uh, his on-base is 380, and his batting average is 290. Like, that that's what you're looking for with DJ. It'll get him to an OPS of 890. And if DJ can sit, you know, 275, get on base 350, um, you're looking at a really important player for the Yankees. And he, he's been – he looks good. And, and that's something that's really promising for next year. Not only does he look good, it just looks sustainable. You know, it yes, doesn't exactly. look like this is just him on a hot streak right now. I think it's been long enough. The sample size is big enough, being the second half of the season, that I trust that he can repeat something similar to this again next season. As long as he stays healthy, that is the biggest thing with DJ. Yeah. When he loses his lower body due to injuries, that's when he falters. Um, he has not faltered one bit in the second half. And I'm really curious if he's probably worked with you know, teacher man, Aaron judge is a uh, coach hitting coach, but I know that he spoke also wonders of Sean Casey. And it seems like this is one of the positive impacts that Casey has had on the team amongst other guys as well. I think he's definitely helped out with Volpe, you know, just like polishing a young rookie like that. But when you're responding, when the veterans are responding really well to you, that's a huge sign that something right is happening. And it's like you might you might not see that as a whole offensively because that's still like the numbers as a team are not great, like they're still pretty bad. But you're seeing individual improvements that are significant to the outlook of the team for next season, and that's huge. The Sean Casey part is really interesting because I, I think when you're talking about a 35 year old MLB veteran hitter, I don't think a like a collegiate hitting development you know, batting instructor, hitting coach is what you need, um, which was Dylan Lawson. And Sean Casey is a like-minded hit first. Um, I mean, he that's how he was as an MLB player. That's what his philosophy was on MLB Network. And I, I, I think and I hope we're we're seeing some of Sean Casey's magic with DJ and and I, I hope that endures. Um, moving on, we have two more guys left. Um, by WRC plus, who do you think is next the best hit Yankees hitter in the month of August? It's tough. Volpe. 
it's a trick question. Volpe and Judge both Judge have a Gats, 129 I, OPS plus. But yeah. let's talk about Volpe. <laughs> I mean, he's looked great. Like, I don't think people understand how – I think some people understand. I'll put it that way. There is still quite a few people that undervalue him as a shortstop. He has been the most reliable shortstop we've had since arguably Jeter. Like, I think that DD showed flashes of being a super reliable fielder, but he Eek never Didi. was really great. Volpe is like a top three defensive shortstop right now, and it's just casually being overlooked because he had a bad OPS for most of the season because his average was, you know, so low and he struggled early on. Like, so the people were looking at the offensive stats being like, oh, like on top of that, he doesn't have a good arm, so he must be bad. It's like, no, he's actually covering a lot of ground. His, his glove side is fantastic. Um, his range is really good. He's making throws like he's not Ellie De La Cruz at shortstop who's throwing 99 across the diamond, but he's still like throwing efficiently enough to make the throws accurate and on time. And I've seen nothing from him that indicates that he's destined to only be a second baseman. I think that's crazy talk. And um, from the offensive perspective, like (laughs) he's going to have a 20, he already has a 2020 season in the books right now. It could potentially improve to 25, 25, even the pop that he's displayed, especially that home run today, like where he hit a hard line drive to, uh, to right field, the right field game up. Yeah. It was clutch as hell. Not only was it clutch, but it was that's also a deep a right. That's a deep, true right field. His pop is like, you can't overstate it anymore because the dude is legit. Like he really stays closed um, as long as possible. His hips are way more disciplined. He's staying back yeah. while moving forward at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's that perfect balance of coiling and then also just unloading the barrel at the right time. Everything is the same way that DJ is clicking. It's the same thing with Volpe except Volpe is only 21 or whatever, 22, 21. He is going to have a great career with the Yankees. Um, This is a dude that could easily have an 800 OPS season next season. Maybe even more than that. Like his upside is tremendous. And I think that bringing his friends up that the way they are doing right now, all the players that he's been comfortable playing with in the pipeline, that's only going to add to his confidence because these are guys that he's been shooting the shit with in the dugout for three years now so this is huge for his development in late may we we had june lee on on the podcast and we were expressing concerns about his bat and 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 how we looked and mentioning some of those bad habits that you were talking about um and june was more positive and he assured us like bolby's gonna have a month where you know it's not gonna be mvp numbers but like he's gonna show you that he's like a major league shortstop like he's the guy um and that was august uh and he had runs in in june and july as well it, i mean volpe had an 840 ops a 250 batting average a bunch of big home runs um a 129 wrc plus um add that to him stealing a few bases here and again as well um it's it's been crucial and i i agree with you i mean i don't know that i want to delve into understanding fully the, the fielding metrics um, but by all measures, he is a well above average fielder, except for like double play outs and runs saved, in which he's like average or slightly below average. Um, which I that might also be a Glaber thing, to be honest. Yeah, but 
Now we're looking at like defensive run saves, 14 defensive run saves, three outs above average, two runs above average. Um, his range is 1.3 runs above average. Uh, like all of these are for a rookie, like phenomenal. I mean, e- even, even today, like his arm isn't the best um, in the 10th inning, Miguel Cabrera hit a chopper to short. Um, and I think part of this is just his understanding of baseball and a situational awareness um, that Miguel Cabrera hasn't run in about eight years. Um, he like went way back on a chopper. He fielded about 15 feet into the outfield um, and made a loopy throw to first that beat Miguel Cabrera by 10, 15 feet. And I, I think part of it is his movement and his comfort. You can tell that he's going to make like the most efficient play, like to get the best hop, to set himself up for the best transfer. Um, and, and that's been something that I think has been an improvement noticeable in the last two months. Um, so I'm really happy with Volpe. I mean, should he be our leadoff hitter next year? I don't think so. Like I think a good team Volpe is still your seven, eight, nine, or he's your, you know, he's your spark in the lineup five hole, um, depending on how you construct it. But I've been really happy with his progress. Absolutely. Uh, want to talk about the big fella? Let's do it. Um, what an interesting season. Just to the fact that like he missed so much playing time, so many games. And I mean, let's be real. He like him being absent for such a long time is probably what took the Yankees out of at least playoff contention. Yeah. I still don't think they would have even made it that far if he did play the entire season um, just because there were other pieces that they clearly needed. And so many veterans were underperforming. That being said, you got to credit him for still trying to power through and play with a busted toe. Um, It's clearly very much like still bothering him. Like his at-bats haven't looked nearly as comfortable as like earlier this season. Uh, He's pulling off quite a bit. He's getting killed by that off speed, like just a slider low and away again. And I haven't seen that from him since like 2018, 2019, maybe 2020. Um, So I can credit all of that to the toe not being even remotely close to 100%. That being said, I don't necessarily want to see him sit out the rest of the season if he is healthy. And like, let's say that the toe is hurt, but he's not doing more damage to it by playing right now. If he wants to play, he's the $40 million man. Let him have it. Let him end the season on a positive note. If he wants to sit out, which I don't think he's going to do, I would be cool with that too. But if it's one of these things where the doctors are clearing him to be okay and it just might hurt, it won't actually do more damage, then he's a big boy. He can make that decision on his own. But at the end of the day, he's what, still top five, top four in home runs in the AL after missing so much time? Yep. The dude's a freak. (laughs) Last year, he had a home run in 40% of games. Well, 39.5. Um, What percentage of games do you... or it's, it's not percentage of games exactly. It's like the ratio of home runs to games played. Um, So what do you think it is for this year? 44. No, it's less, but it's, oh, it's 37. Okay, yeah. Still... It's the same. It's yeah. basically the same rate. Like at this rate, he'd hit 55 home runs. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you mentioned some of the key factors to what's keeping that batting average down with strikeout rates a little bit up. Um, and I mean, going in and out of injury, uh, that is tough to do. Um, but he's been phenomenal. Uh, even 130 OPS is like, oh, that's not like 
you look at Volpe and DJ, you're like, oh my God, phenomenal month. And you look at Aaron Judge, and it's like, okay, like he. That's all right. Yeah. He, he does that. Yeah. Well, um, he's, he's going to walk so much still just because they are afraid to throw anything in his wheelhouse. You 18% know? walk rate this month. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, one, that's one out of every five at bats. That's unreal. Yeah. Um, I think I want to end on that positive for today. Yeah. Um, I think this is basically the start of our off-season podcast, which we get into a lot of granular detail there. Um, we'll talk about an off-season plan and whatnot. Um, but this is kind of, you know, like you mentioned, it's fall training. This is us getting ready for next year. Um, with the four minutes and 30 seconds that Zoom is allowing us to have. Uh, let's go quickly through who do you think are the who who's on the team next year? I mean, well, let's go position by position. I mean, at catcher. I think Wells is gonna get a legitimate shot at it. Um and who's number two? Wells and Trevino, I think, should be your catching tandem. So Higgy and Rortbet are gone? Yeah. I mean, I would love to see Higgy stick around as like a coach, but I think he still obviously wants to play, and he still has enough pop to play. I think he'll Uh, be a pro platoon somewhere, which we've spoken about. And Um, I just don't see the Yankees moving on from Trevino. So I agree. I think that's good for Wells, too, to have Trevi there. Yeah. Um, First base, first base, Rizzo is going to be back. I think unless they trade him which it's possible not a lot of trade value but yeah exactly and i i do think that the it's clear that the um the concussions were the concussion was really affecting him if he so, gets an off season i think he can be very constructive for the yeah. team next year it'll be him and dj um, and so dj's the backup uh so then we'll go glaber at second yeah will be a short Peraza at third um is ikf back i don't think so is Oswaldo Cabrera the is he the next infielder on the team? That's where I'm I'm struggling. I think that they might they're either going to trade Waldo depending on what his value looks like, mm-hmm. or they're going to sign a utility man. Um, yep. one of the two could happen. But yeah, I, I think could see IKF coming back honestly. If he's down to take like a you know team friendly deal to an extent, I think that it would be a good move. Just if he's down to take six or seven million again, I would yeah yeah. But once exactly. we get into like, I think he might be looking for 12, 13. That might be, that's definitely too much in terms of what I would give him. Um, judge, you pencil in. Yeah. Uh, Stanton. Yeah. Unless they find a way to move his contract, he's still there. I um, think they're going to try. Yeah. They're going to try hard just because he really is at this point, like with the young guys coming up, like you're going to have to move an outfielder. Um, If I, I just don't see a way to, he's not going to want to, uh, be a bench piece stanton yep you know so it would be better for him if he does get to go somewhere that he prefers to play mm-hmm. um just so that way he can get everyday reps and you know like not have nearly as much pressure on him but the kids should be prioritized here and i think dominguez is going to get the nod and center whatever left field and Pereira as well yeah uh, both of them can do both yeah and then i think they might add you know i don't know what offensively that's going to look like but like i said i don't think bellinger is completely out of the realm of possibility Mm -hmm. just because he is such a perfect fit for this team i hate to break it (laughs) i don't think that's a very good team i think that might be the right thing to do yeah well that's the thing is i'm not expecting to win at all next season if that's the team that they roll oh no jake we weren't supposed to do that in this episode we're not (laughs) even done with 2023 
but uh, that's that's what I was alluding to as well. Um, yeah. All right, we got one minute starters: Cole, Nestor, mm-hmm. Rodon. I think Rodon turns it around too. Mm-hmm. I think that he has had positive stepping stones leading to something to look forward to. Um, Clark, Clark earned it. Mike King, Mike. That's I was thinking. Mike King, number five. Yeah, so I I think Sevy's gone, mm-hmm. and then maybe. Yeah, you know what would be really cool? And this this would never happen in baseball. But if there was like a guy who could be like the missing piece hitter, who could also be like a starter in your rotation. Interesting. That would be really cool. I wonder if anyone like that exists anywhere. I want, I can't imagine anyone like that exists anywhere who would make millions for your team. No way. Like 500 million. Yeah. Someone whose name rhymes with Hohei Hublami. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone. Uh, We'll bring you some more information as the offseason has kind of unofficially started. We'll go over the end of 2024, how the kids do over this uh, slightly expanded roster season, um, and some projections for 2024, which we're really optimistic about. Right, Jake? Totally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Great. Thanks for listening. Please share, follow us everywhere at Pinstripe Pulse Pod, at Pinstripe underscore Pulse on Twitter, where uh, if you want to follow along with the feel of the game, Jake's super active uh, tweeting along on Twitter. So we'll definitely be there. Um, a little bit on Instagram, YouTube, uh, not really on TikTok of recent, but, you know, please share with friends. We appreciate you guys listening and all the friends who are asking us where we've been. Here we are. Appreciate you guys uh, looking out for us. But until then, go Yanks. Let's ride.